Hello and welcome to the Bankers podcast series, Banking in Transition, looking at how the banking industry is adapting to the new normal as the world begins to recover from the global pandemic. I'm Joy McKnight, editor of The Banker, and my guest this week is Esse Sakir, CEO of OpenBank, Santander's digital bank. Thanks so much for joining me, Esse. Good morning, Joy. Nice to be with you again. It's been a few years since I profiled you in my monthly Tech Vision column, uh, and so it's so great to reconnect with you. Yeah, it's, uh, it has been it has been a very, very, very long three years. Uh, mm-hmm. We had uh, everything happening, so it counts as a, as a whole decade. I think so. Yeah, it does feel that way, doesn't it? I, I feel um, like ten years older, so definitely. <laughs> yeah. So let's discuss how really the pandemic has affected the banking industry in Europe, and then maybe even a bit more specifically in Spain. One of the things, Joy, when, when we uh, talk in general is that um, with the globalization, and I think the pandemic has showed all of us we live in a one single world and it's impossible to uh, isolate even if you know people, governments tried. Mm-hmm. So the banking industry is kind of similar. So I, I wouldn't be able to describe uh, anything about the banking industry or, or impact uh, different in Spain than the rest of, a, of, um, of Europe or, or the developed world in that mm-hmm. sense. So the, the pandemic has, um, has definitely uh, created a, a short-term shock for the world in terms of everything and being locked down. Uh, I think for the industry, um, the uh, banking industry in particular, there are a couple of things uh, we, could, we could think about. First is we got a great opportunity to be part of the solution, right? And that's, that's, um, that's something nice for an industry that not always enjoys the best reputation, right? I think you have seen governments trying to uh, very, very quickly help uh, uh, small and medium businesses not to close uh, with a different type of uh, loan schemes that uh, every country uh, uh, had that were uh, warranted by the, by the, by the state or, or um, helping uh, to, uh, to, let's say, cover uh, temporary employment. Mm. And banks were the, uh, were the means to implement all of that. Uh, in Spain, uh, definitely Santander led that by far. Uh, making sure that every every small business could get their loans really quickly, and um, and that's that's a wow. That I think the the, the speed of, uh, and that meant we had to do a, even a, a lot of um, IT investment to do that faster. And I'm very proud that Santander was uh, was leading that and and, uh, and Open Bank as well. And Open Bank, you know, you were even as soon as we were getting the information from the government on people that were going on on a, on unemployment uh, benefits. We were just giving the money to people uh, way in advance, not waiting mm. for the right date. So I think it's been a very impressive uh, process to live. Uh, it did have an impact, um, a joy that I was impressed on the, um, I would say, self-esteem and how happy we felt with our jobs, everybody working in banking, when we realized how much we were helping. So mm. that, that has been uh, a first. Um, but then uh, when, when the first two months of shock were gone and, and we got to the, the new normal of uh, living under COVID, I think, um, I think the fact that uh, everybody had to go digital moved the, the clock, the time, I don't know, five years forward at least. Mm-hmm. The adoption of digital went from, well, I still like to go to the branch to I cannot go to the branch. So mm-hmm. uh, that meant that somehow split banks in two big groups, right? And, and then uh, the truth uh, became uh, obvious, which is a lot of banks were in denial, Joy, and, and we know that. You know, uh, there are a lot of reasons why they were in denial. And, and denial, uh, eventually, uh, you have to pay the invoice right away when COVID came. I mean, uh, mm. 
and then there are banks, not few, but, but, uh, but not that many and there should be, that need what Santander did, which is invest heavily to make sure you're ready for when the world becomes digital and suddenly, you know, COVID comes, by degree, everybody becomes digital. And there was Santander that uh, we didn't have any, any issues with service or anything. And, and then you have the open banks that uh, we flew. So open bank had, a, had record numbers for everything but without any exciting times in terms of that we were digital already. So mm. it didn't have much, much difference. So I would say that being part of a solution and being able to reap the, you know, get the benefits of all our investments. Can we dive in a little bit deeper in terms yeah. of digitization? Because there's a lot of people that have said exactly what you've said. Obviously, it's a, it's a common feeling across the industry, which is that things have really like sped up. Um, in terms of um, since the advent of the pandemic, you know, where would you see, where have you seen sort of the biggest advances in digitization? If you would um, rank all the operations and processes that um, are involved in, the, in, the, in banking between the customer and the client, uh, you have uh, the obvious that, you know, like checking your balance was always digital. You have the, the, the most personal ones, like investing. Uh, you want to go and talk to somebody and the ones in the middle. So I think what it did was um, moving the needle uh, way to the digital side. So in concrete, a lot of stuff that people still were doing on, on, um, uh, in person because of the friction that going digital has. And it's a fact. I mean, if you are used to doing something uh, uh, with, you know, paying with a card, a plastic, you know, your, your plastic card in your wallet, whatever wallet you use, and eventually try your first time you pay with your phone, it feels so weird. But then mm. you don't ever go back to plastic, right? Mm. So, um, so I think that's the, the big change. We have, um, we have onboarded to the digital world millions of customers, right? In the case of Open Bank, for example, um, we are uh, sustaining all the way through uh, and, and, and today uh, growth rates, for example, for our service of a robo advisory of over 100%. We have 102 more clients this year only robo advisory, 102% more clients. And the way I talk about robo advisory, because this is the other extreme of the spectrum, right? It was very easy to go digital uh, for a service like a ticket. Now, a mm. ticket from Madrid to London is a ticket from Madrid to London, and British Airways is British Airways. So it's very easy to go digital, right? They are. But it's not easy to go digital when you want to buy a skirt that has to be the right length and the right fit. So the same industry is more prone to digital. In the case of banking, uh, advisory managing the money of the customer is where people get more coffee talking to somebody. And, um, and we have developed um, our role advisory services, which is brokerage uh, with open uh, architecture. Any, you can buy funds from anything you want. You can manage yourself. We manage it for you. It's so, uh, so science fiction how, how simple it is to use, how well it works. And the fact that we have like no minimum after you have to start with 500 euros so we can mm. at least a nice portfolio for you and, and diversify that's all we ask for and that's actually private banking uh like rich people do uh mm. everybody and that's something that people were forced to discover with the covid and i love that i love that yeah uh, so let's take a step back though and really talk about the story behind open bank we can go back to, a little bit to the beginning um, because I know Santander took an existing bank and transformed it into open bank. Why did Santander do that? And then again, you know, what kind of impact did open bank have, has had on the Spanish market? The story probably starts back to the, the moment where 
boards and management teams uh, split into the group in denial and trying to see that I'm going to defensive and try to see uh, changes and opportunity. And you can tell uh, by what they did, what they felt five, six years ago. This is a story that started six years ago, uh, Joy. Uh, and I like to talk about the automotive industry because it's, it's a very simple example to understand for everybody, right? We all know in 10 years, we all will be driving electric cars. But if you go brand by brand, some are in denial and others are going for it. So Santander understands that the future is digital. And six years ago, it took a decision. We're not going to go in the defense, we're going to go in the offense. Mm. It's like, we're going to build our own Tesla. And that was the conversation I had with the president of the bank, with Anna Botin, six years ago, when she told me, I want to have my own Tesla. You know, I'm not going to be waiting here to see how I understand to manage an electric engine or to go batteries, to go for longer charge. I want to own the best we have. So we said, let's build it. And building our own Tesla, our own digital bank, um, as you know, having a license up and running and, and, um, and, and a few customers, and a, that, it's a, that saves you two years. And getting a license and, and, and getting the basics up and running. So we started with Open Bank, which was a direct bank, already a, a bank, a telephone bank from the days where uh, that was a revolution. Uh, and, and then what we, what we did, probably different and important, is that we created a team that uh, attracted a, a talent from inside and outside. To the Open Bank, the top probably 20, 30, half are uh, digital natives, Amazon engineers and, uh, and, and Google experts, whatever. And the half are hardcore bankers with 20 years in Santander. They're all together. And, um, and what we have built is a, it's a, a full digital bank that operates a, a fraction of the cost of a normal bank. So we are having probably a team of whatever, 12 people in, in compliance, and we do five countries. And we have a rating from a central bank that is ex excellent. We don't have, so we are very, very, probably the most compliant bank in Europe because it's all automatic, right? There's nothing to negotiate. You either buy or you don't. So um, those beauties of, uh, of digital, having a single software uh, and a single app for so many countries, no other bank in the world has that. It's like Amazon. One single app, one single software, one single team, all these countries. And it's not uh, potato chips for everybody because the Germans have a total different card uh, and functionalities in uh, Open Bank than the Spanish customers Open Bank. So though the software is the same, the fact that we use component technologies and microservices, we can really differentiate. And that story ended in what I call the season one of Open Bank, that ended about a year ago. And the season two, uh, it's now rolling out uh, through the group. We are living, we are in the midst of season two, super exciting, uh, just uh, deploying the Open Bank technology across the group. You touched on it there, but how do you differentiate from other neo banks? would you say, that have coming up in the market? Uh, like in Spain, but across Europe as a whole? Yeah. So first, uh, just uh, because it will sound like a, a classic defensive uh, response, I have to say that a uh, lot of respect for uh, all neo banks and the value they create, how fast they grow, how well they're doing it, how well they understood customers, and how much have been a, a wake-up call for the industry. Um, th th with that being said, um, you know, there is a phrase, I don't know if this was Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, that famous phrase that, said um, the world needs banking but not banks right and and that was a, that means that you know uh, since uh, societies work and our and our societies three things are needed you need to be able to borrow you need to be able to pay 
and you need to be able to save. If, if, if the banking sector doesn't do that, somebody's going to do it because societies need to save, need to pay, and need to borrow. It's a fact. So that's what banks do today. So uh, neo banks today are mostly doing payments. They have cards, and I don't think you can find one single neo bank that has been successful in anything beyond payments and for free, which is great. But if you, I open a Tesco, a supermarket, and I say do only bread and milk and for free, I have a queue of people. Mm. Having that success, I'm not sure. People love going to that new Tesco, which is super cool, and getting free bread. That's called in the old world of retail, where I come from, it's called uh, the um, money loser uh, strategy, which you get a product which is super cheap, people come, and then they buy the rest. That's okay, because you go to Tesco, you get your free milk, and you're happy, but then you buy a lot of other stuff in your basket, and Tesco makes money. What neobanks need to have is a basket so they can make some money. What Open Bank was born, not as a, um, as a venture capital startup, was born as a, the initiative from a, a, one of the largest banking groups in the world to, to be able to um, a, have a bank that attracts, engages, and retains customers without a, the need of a branch network. And what, by engage, I mean pay, uh, save, and borrow. And that's what we did. So Open Bank today has, as you know, not only credit cards and debit cards and, and you know, like metallic and all this, all this stuff. We have, uh, we are very, very important player in the mortgage uh, business, fully digital mortgages. We have a very, very uh, large, big player, important player in terms of uh, a brokerage, online brokerage, or in terms of uh, borrowing, lending, lending with two clicks from the app. Uh, so. I think the big difference between any other digital bank and open bank is that we are a full bank. That's why, and I finish here, sorry, my answer is super long here, <laughs> is um, the average uh, deposit for a customer, we are like, like uh, 10 times more than any other digital bank. We're about 21,000 euros per customer mm. deposit. Very active customers. 40% of them are, are primary account with us. Excellent. Um, and then you mentioned uh, you know, open bank in Germany, uh, what other European markets does Open Bank operate in? And then I guess my other question is, why were these specific markets chosen? Okay, so, um, so we operate in Germany for many reasons. The reason is it's the largest market in Europe, uh, in continental Europe, and um, or in the EU. It's a it's a big market for Santander as well. We have a Santander Consumer Finance, as you know, which is part of, of the Digital Consumer Bank, uh, with a big presence in in Germany. Uh, Portugal is a different story. We operate in Portugal, and a lot of questions. I get the question: Why would you operate in Portugal? Well, let me tell you: We love Portugal. Uh, first, uh, the European Union has a long list of to-dos for the to have a very, very dynamic and strong banking industry. One of the to-dos is to finish their work in the harmonization. It's not the same to be a Spanish bank, to be a Portuguese bank, or a German bank, and it has to be the same. Otherwise we cannot reap the benefits of being a union. And so there is kind of a, an overall law for every bank in Europe, and then each country transposes that locally and builds a lot of barriers. So the Portuguese have been, like they are, traders and small, very smart, no barriers. Portugal is an open market, it's a very fair market, we love it. By the way, I would say, I'll give you a number, about 15% of the customers that open an account uh, in Portugal go straight forward and open an account in brokerage and raw advisory very modern society, I love them. So that's Portugal, that's why we went for Portugal. Uh, and, and then we went for the Netherlands because it's a very attractive market, very digital, 
where a Santander does not have a fiscal presence. And we wanted to learn uh, how, how would digital first look like. And how, so that's why we went, that, that's, but that, that tells the story, Joy, only on how we started. Biggest market, friendly market, uh, digital first. Now we're gonna go for everything. So Open Bank has a very aggressive plan. Uh, first, as you know, we are about to go, we have already launched in Argentina. We're gonna go, about, go big uh, very soon. Um, we are working, and it's public because it just somehow filtered to the news, we're working uh, in the US and in Mexico. Uh, by the way, always the same team, same software. Mm. And, uh, and now with Digital Consumer Bank, we're going for all of Europe. So I wanted to talk a little bit about yourself. And I thought your story, when I interviewed you those few years ago, I thought your story was so interesting because you came from outside the banking industry to run this new digital entity. Um, I'm wondering what skills did you bring to the role that maybe bankers don't usually have? And that's funny because, you know, Joe, when I joined, uh, my first job in banking was, uh, was this one. So I came from, from outside directly to, a, to, a, to banking from, a, from retail, from Amazon in my case. Uh, I, think, I think it's, it's fair to say that probably about six years ago when I came, uh, I was more like the, you know, the, the rare avis, the, the, the strange person in between a, a bunch of bankers. Uh, so what you were bringing was very relevant. You were bringing the point of view of, uh, of digital business and how, how that was done, the secret sauce on how to attract, engage, and retain customers without a branch network, whatever. But today, at least I know for Santander, I mean, uh, a lot of people uh, that have joined banking from outside and, and, um, and the banking industry has been very fast in attracting talent from, from other sides. So that I think changed a lot. You know, millennials went mainstream, I, I went mainstream here. At Open Bank, uh, we are probably about half of us come from a, either Amazon, Google, or Facebook or companies like that. And at Santander, a bunch. Uh, and what you bring, you bring that. You bring a, a, a different a point of view on, on how to do business, um, obsession for the customer. Uh, and, um, and basically, you behave as a technology company doing banking. That's, that's I think, the, the, the most important thing. What the main lesson, you know, these companies like Amazon, Google, what they do, Joy is, is long-term use and execute on them. It's a, that's the big advantage they have. So that uh, actually was going to be my next question, which is what lessons do you think banks can learn from the big techs uh, like Amazon and Google? I think, Joy, I'm sure there are many lessons, right? But one that I think is very, very relevant is the ability that these guys have to uh, execute long-term visions, right? And, and that's what they call relentless execution, which is instead of going quarter by quarter, like most big corporations and banks go, these guys have a vision and they just go for it. So uh, I think about 2012, when I, uh, when I was at Amazon that they acquired uh, Love Films in the UK, which was a company doing uh, uh, renting uh, CDs to, to see movies, that's 10 years ago. That's how old is the vision of Amazon to be a leader in, uh, uh, in video entertainment, now it's streaming. And there were 10 years of relentless execution. And if they acquired in 2012, is that they were thinking about that probably for another two, three years before. Mm. And that applied to banking is somehow what uh, Anna Watino, our president, had when she called and said nearly six years ago, five years ago, we will own a digital bank, but we'll own a digital bank that will do the full banking, that will be active in, in borrowing, lending, and in, in payments. We will own a digital bank that will have a single software that will attract and retain customers without the need of a branch network now and that is how 
um, how execution goes long term. Six years later, you own it. That's because you were able to execute relentlessly. So I think something we need to learn from the Amazons and the Googles of the world is that that long-term vision is what will determine your ultimate success. Otherwise, you have to be very lucky, Joy, very lucky. Excellent. Um, so I just have a few more questions. And, and one is about the platform economy. So everyone is talking about how we're moving to this uh, you know, digital platform economy. Uh, and then the big question is, where can banks, um, what role can they play within that? What is your opinion? I think, Joy, for banks, it's up to us to lose. Right. I mean, um, why? Because banks have been two things in the past without anybody talking or noticing. Banks have been huge technology companies with an amount of data and transactions that, you know, the Amazon and Google of the world would dream of having uh, in terms of uh, banking. Third and second, they were also born kind of platforms, uh, especially European banks like uh, Santander. You go there, you can do everything from the individual to the largest corporation from a loan from your house for your working capital, you name it. So banks were platforms, were one-stop shops where you could do everything. They, they were the Amazons of the financial industry. So it's up to the banking industry to understand that they have an unfair advantage of time and, and, and position to capitalize. They have trust that very few other industries have. And trust is huge and very difficult to get. So the platform economy in banking, the, uh, it's, is uh, there's no owner yet and banks should own it, but they need to do a lot of homework to do that. And uh, so I think it's, it's, um, it's a way to go. It's gonna be the digital version of our present. It's gonna be a, um, financial services platforms. And um, it's a race. It's a race that uh, is declared and we're going for it. It's an arms race. And the Santander and Open Bank are, uh, we are running, you know, we talk about this every single day. We work for it. We wanna be one of the big players. Excellent. Uh, and then you referenced it a little bit before in terms of expansion plans, but what are your sort of immediate next steps? So the, the first step is a, it was announced already, which is we, we built a thing we call the Digital Consumer Bank. So uh, Santander has a, um, a huge bank that is a consumer bank across uh, nearly 17 countries, um, a, the largest consumer lending in Europe both for a cars and for a, a consumer goods. And, um, and that's a, a great business, not only because it's a good business, but because we have a, a lot of expertise in it. We, uh, you know, nobody probably manages a, a lending at consumer level uh, with such a good um, a KPIs all across. And, um, and that's where we are deploying open bank in terms of technology. So we will combine you know, the, the, the efficiency of the technology, we'll combine that eventually lending Lending is risk arbitrage, and risk arbitrage is uh, uncertainty arbitrage. And uncertainty is a function of uh, what you do not know. So if you can go digital, have a proper data lake and a machine learning algorithm, you will know more. So will you, you will be an even better lender. So we're going to turn the number one lender in Europe into the bloody best lender ever, because it's going to become totally digital. It's going to have you know, the best data lake proven. We have already a, a walked the walk with a... Um, with open bank five years in a row with all our algorithms lended and sort of tested. Uh, we had the COVID and the, that has been the ultimate test to all our loan portfolio. Loan portfolio grew 84% during COVID and it's an incredibly resilient uh, loan portfolio. And we're gonna bring all of that, we are bringing all of that into mm. uh, consumer finance. 
that's the biggest project. The rest, we are going to go for Argentina again, US, Mexico, but that's the big thing is the digital consumer bank. Excellent. Well, I have to say, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, Essay. Um, thank you so much for your insights. Pleasure, Joy. Looking forward for our next conversation, hopefully face to face and here in, uh, in sunny Spain. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Thank you so much again. Thank you, Joy. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.